0: Welcome to this very special one off edition of the Empire Podcast. Uh, basically, the new issue of Empire Magazine is dedicated to the greatest movie heroes of all time. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. We're in the middle of lockdown. We all need heroes in our life. And so this month, we have obliged in style. We asked you, the readers, the listeners, to vote for your greatest movie heroes of all time. We rounded up your votes. We came up with a top 50. And this podcast is going to count down that top 50. We're not going to agree with all of your choices. I'll say that right off the bat. Uh, But joining me to discuss the list are three of the biggest heroes in my life, mainly because they've all agreed to do this. Uh, You do that, then you're a hero in my book. No matter how many people you've killed in Cold Blood, Ben Travis. (laughs) Look,
1: they all deserved it. I I, Look... if, if we take anything from a recent certain blockbuster, if you call Ben and you've killed hundreds of people in cold blood, there is still a way Spo- back spoiler, to
2: the Spoiler. Lights. Spoiler. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I've got issues with that inclusion, Ben, which will be coming up in due course, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, believe me. Me too.
0: <laughs> this is good. Excellent. Excellent. We're all on the same page. That's good to see. Uh, but listen, uh, Ben is a hero in my book. and. So, is the next person to hear on my book, no matter how many millions I've embezzled over the years? Uh, Amon Warman, it is a pleasure to have you here. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Um, if if I have embezzled millions, my bank account is, is not aware <laughs> of it. The um, so, <laughs> money <laughs> <laughs> uh, was just
3: resting <laughs> in your account. Just
2: resting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would yeah. w- very much like what you just said to be true, but unfortunately. Does not seem to be the case. Oh my god,
3: you want to embezzle millions? Hey, I, saying, I,
1: saying it's not in your bank, <laughs> is that is that an an admission that it's like all pure cash under the floorboards you can call Walter White.
2: Chris, in the I crawl space into out.
1: your house. It's all there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this could be invisible in course. <laughs>
3: as I'm your a lawyer, is
0: podding bad, would be breaking pod. One, one of the two, one of the two. And listen, the, the last person in this podcast is a hero in my book. No matter how many orphanages she's had bulldozed over the years, mm. um, sometimes she even lets the inhabitants get time to get out. Well, uh, it is, of course, Helen O'Hara.
3: Look, speed is an advantage for orphans. They need to learn it early. They need to move fast, react to these things, you know. Um, I'm just teaching them about the real world, you know? Yep.
0: Absolutely. At any moment, a wrecking ball could come in through your metaphorical window.
3: hmm And I'm fighting it like Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Yes.
0: Only in this case, it is not a metaphorical wrecking ball, it is a real wrecking ball. And yes, Helen is astride it, so you'd best move, young orphan, lest you That's be splattered. One. Anyway, so here we go. At number 50 is Jeeve Rohde. Y'all know me. You know I make a living. It's not the same character I know, but uh, whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Martin Brody, chief. <laughs> chief. <laughs> we'll find it for three. We'll catch it for ten.
3: You've got your, you've got your um, impressions, and you're just going to do them, isn't that right? So, whether relevant or not,
0: no one can do a Roy Scheider impression. <laughs> We're lucky it wasn't an impression of the shark. <laughs> well, the like, shark was called <laughs> Bruce, so I just presume he goes get Um Anyway. It's an Australian joke. Is it? Martin Brody from Jaws is number 50. Can anyone do an impression of Roy Scheider? As he was then, it's easy to do one of them as he is now. Amon. Yeah, He's
2: I, dead, you see? I, I decline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not giving that a shot. I'm good. Next.
0: Amon leans, leans <laughs> like, like, like a congressional hearing, just leans in close to the mic and goes... Um, I have no comment to make at this time. Ben, Ben, can you do an
1: impression of Roy Scheider? I, I might try and do a. Let's go for a uh, <laughs> park the car in the yard. Him trying to do the voice of somebody from Amity Island. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, wow. Helen, you've never done an impression in all your days on this <laughs> That's podcast. That's not true,
3: but it's mostly true, and I'm not going to yeah. do this one.
0: Okay. Anyway, what do we think of this character, Martin Brody from Jaws? I think he's the only Jaws character on the list. Apart from the yellow barrels, they pop up later on, (laughs) literally. Uh, What do we make of of this? Take it away.
1: I mean, he's got one of the greatest kiss-off lines of all time. The final line in Jaws, (laughs) that smile, you son of a bitch, is incredible. And he's standing up for corruption. He's trying to tell the mayor to close the beach because people shouldn't be gathering where there is a big old shark and maybe we need more people like Martin Brody right now telling the authorities not to uh, get people to gather for uh, financial gain. Uh, when it's not really oh, safe to do so. Political
3: point. I love it. I love it.
1: Ben <laughs> just got
3: political. Yeah. I, no. I think he's great. I think he's a great sort of um, everyman hero. Is is the phrase always used of those kind of early Spielberg guys? Um, but he is. He's a. He's a guy. He, he's a guy who feels real and fleshed out in three D. He has concerns and problems and things that he's trying to be worried about that go far beyond the shark and the shark is initially a distraction from those things you know he's getting settled in a, in a new place he's trying to get used to the culture of this new town he's trying to make sure his kids behave responsibly around the water you know he's trying to get over i think some trauma from his time in in 1970s new york city so he's he's got stuff on his plate and he feels 3d and real and fleshed out and, and finally drawn as a result and I, I think that's great
2: yeah now this list is full of comic book heroes rightfully so as you might expect but um it's got a lot of heroes who um are very human and sort of rise to the challenge as well and uh, this is definitely in the latter category should also mentioned that in the magazine uh jaws co writer Carl Gottlieb uh, talks about uh, what makes Martin Birdie such a great hero as well. Uh,
0: yeah, he's great, and he's he's flawed. He's one of the most relatable Spielberg heroes. I I love him. I think he is the the heart of that movie. Uh, Quint is the I don't know what Quint is of that movie. He's the Gus. the spleen of that film. Um, and and Hooper <laughs> is the 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 sort of. Um, Brain. He's the 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 brains of the movie. Quint is the soul of the movie, and yeah, I'm getting there. Okay, I figured this out now. Hooper, Hooper, yeah, Hooper is the um Mr. Hooper. Uh, Hooper is the lungs of the movie. Oh, I've lost it. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, Brody's the heart of the movie, and. He's great, and he's flawed, like you say, Ben. He's in, you know. He he's standing against corruption, but he gives into it initially. Like he he bows to pressure from the mayor to close the beaches or to open the beaches rather, and that leads to the death of the Kintner kid. And it's whenever she slaps him that you know I think she finally slaps some sense into him in in, in, mm-hmm. in a way. I love the interplay. I mean, God, we could talk. We we could talk about Jaws all day long. Um, but the interplay between Brody and Hooper and Quint on the mm. on the boat at the end the last oh, forty you. minutes of that movie is just incredible and uh, Roy Scheider really grounds a character brilliantly all right so that was 26 minutes on on the number 1 uh, so going well here we go. <laughs> uh, number 49 i'm intrigued by this one if i'm honest with you uh, merida from
1: brave mm. yeah she's a great character i feel like Uh, it was a couple of years after Tangled had come out but this is around the time that the sort of Disney and obviously Brave is Pixar but it feels Mm -hmm. the most Disney-ish of the Pixar films for me Uh, this was the time that that Disney was really retooling and reangling what it is to be a Disney princess Um, there's that great scene um, towards the beginning where uh, it's the sort of Arrow contest and it's sort of the guys trying to play to, to win her hand and she just schools them all in front of everybody she fights for what she believes in and there's a really great story um in there between her and her mum and the mother-daughter relationship a, a kind of across generations and expectations and her changing the minds of people about who mm-hmm. she can be and who she wants to be um so yeah especially in an ideological sense she's um she's a real hero
3: yeah and I think we don't see that mother-daughter relationship um, explored very much in movies. Um, certainly Brave was the first one in a long time, even though we've had a couple of uh, of that story since. And uh, and it, it feels like it's important because we get, a, I know I bang on about it, but we get a lot of father-son stories. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have, you know, a, a bit of a balance to that with, with Merida. And and yeah, I think it is, it's a good story about, you know, finding your own route and not being you know, forced into society's expectations of you. And I think that's probably why it rings true with a lot of people who struggle with their own identities, who struggle with their own place in the world, um, who struggle with a society that is maybe hostile or seems hostile to their identity. Um, so it, 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 I think it's good that she is considered a hero by so many people who voted for her.
0: I have to say, though, I am surprised that she's on this list. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm surprised by an omission, two omissions on the list, because there are a couple of animated characters on this list, uh, a couple of them coming up fairly, fairly soon as well. Anna and Elsa from Frozen, the biggest animated movie of all time, are not on this list. Is that a well, surprise? I- or do you think that uh, that maybe, uh, you know, the Empire listeners slash readers that maybe that movie skews a bit younger? I don't I don't know. What, what's your what's your take yeah. on that?
3: I certainly think in terms of identifying with them as heroes, I think we're all outside that that range. I think, you know, if we vote for this in list in ten years' time or twenty years' time, they are gonna go, go high on the list, I would imagine. Um, particularly Anna, who is actually the heroine there.
1: I, I think those two, um I think there are gonna be some ones coming up that we argue about what exactly makes a hero. And I think these two, the best thing about them is their partnership. I think each of them standing alone. Uh, that they're, they're probably better together because they balance each other out so well it's the it's the love and the companionship of anna it's the fearlessness of elsa as she starts to embrace who she is and those two kind of coming together to to be there for each other and lean on each other is what makes them so special whereas i think individually they maybe like don't quite mm-hmm. shine yeah. in the same Absolutely. way do you know what i mean
3: They finish each other's sandwiches, you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) I know that's said about somebody else, but come on.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You're going to have the songs in my head now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) In summer.
2: Oh, Um. (laughs) God.
0: Okay, so that was Merida. Uh, I'll never forget that name. Right? I've already seen miracles. Merida, Merida. There Jesus Christ! Uh, I'm much better at pronouncing the name of this next hero. Don't worry. Number forty-eight. It's Rick Belliani, uh from Casablanca.
3: <laughs> it's Rick who? Rick.
0: Rick Bliani. No. Look,
3: why don't we just call him Blaine, just for a giggle? That's right.
0: Yeah, okay. Sorry. It's Blaine Belliani, uh from from Casablanca. <laughs> you know, from everybody goes to Blioni's. No, it's Rick Blaine. It's Humphrey Bogart. Uh, and I think this is the oldest film on the list, Casablanca. Oh, I
3: think. okay. Um, yeah. I mean, look, Rick is um, an interesting character because he kind of starts off as the sort of the anti-hero, the guy who's become so brokenhearted and cynical that he's kind of retreated from the fight between good and evil and is basically sitting on the sidelines trying to make a profit out of the, the in-between. Uh, so it's... It's interesting to watch him during that film kind of rediscover his goodness, if you like. Um, I know we wrote, I wrote about this recently in the magazine, but the Marseillaise scene is is one of the first times that he really kind of stands up and takes a position. Um, he he gives the nod to the band to agree to uh, Victor's, Victor Laszlo's request to play the Marseillaise, which is an outspoken anti-Nazi you know moments, um, and he gives the nod. He he breaks his stance of neutrality. Elsa has Elsa has reawakened something in him, and and it's not just you know his libido. So uh, wow. it's a it's a really wonderful moment, and and from that point on, he starts to get more involved. He starts to take a stand, and of course, he goes off at the end to join the French Foreign Legion. So. Yeah, it's kind of a redemption story for him as a hero, and and we don't really see his heroism. There was going to be a, a sequel at one point called Brazzaville, that would have had him fighting the actual war, which, thank God, never happened. But um, but yeah, he you know he goes off and he he helps in North Africa. Wasn't there a TV show? I don't want to know. Please don't tell me there was.
1: Give me two seconds. To casa, to blanca. <laughs>
2: i would i would watch that sequel (laughs)
0: uh so yes there were two tv shows no 1955 casablanca Um, uh, It didn't last that long. It was broadcast between September 27th, 1955 and April 24th, 1956 Uh, and it was based on Everybody Comes to Rick's, which is a play that inspired Mm -hmm. Casablanca and starred Charles McGraw as Rick Blaine Um, and then got cancelled fairly, fairly quickly. And then in 1983, uh, there was a Casablanca show made. Five episodes were filmed. Uh, but following its premiere and just two, ep- yeah, following it, three episodes aired, it was taken off the air uh, in 1983. And can you guess who
1: played, Ray Liotta was in it.
0: Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow.
1: <laughs> they, uh, they really said, don't play it again, Sam, with that one. <laughs> Scatman Crothers was Sam. What? What? I need to find this. <laughs> I need to
0: find this. This is incredible. Can you guess who played Rick Blaine. It is a famous person. A famous person played David, uh, David
2: Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> David Blaine. <laughs>
1: That's why they only show two episodes, because he was a master of illusion. There was a whole episode where he was in a glass box.
3: Was it Peter Falk?
1: No, it wasn't Peter Falk. Okay, it, okay. I will give you a clue. Okay. It is
0: uh, an American uh, leading man. He was he's most famous for playing a TV cop. So yeah, Peter Fox, not too far off. But he was part of a cop duo on screen. Who is he?
1: Starsky or Hutch?
0: Correct, David Soul, who of oh course played Starsky or Hutch in Starsky and Hutch, uh, was Rick Blaine, and I really desperately, desperately want to see that. <laughs> that sounds horrendously awful um cannot wait to dig that one out alright so Rick Blaine is at number 48 any other characters of that era that you would like to throw in
3: um Hildy Johnson from His Girl Friday she's my favourite of all time I think she's amazing mm-hmm.
0: Roger Thornhill from North by Northwest isn't on this list mm.
3: well I mean he's not really he's just kind of caught up in some stuff he's along me. for the
0: ride <laughs> yeah
3: Basically, um, I think heroism-wise, Ingrid Bergman in Notorious is a pretty good shout. Like she gives up a lot to do the right thing and to kind of redeem her name after her father's uh, crimes in that movie. That's that's pretty cool. Shots, heroes, 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 heroes,
0: heroes, heroes. Uh, mm. It's like I, you know, it's, it's like what is heroism? What is heroism? Yeah. Going? <laughs> is heroism. But you know. <laughs> For example, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to okay. it. There's a couple of omissions from this list that have, that have intrigued me, shall we say. But anyway, there's only 50 people on the list. That's all we can we can accommodate. Number 47. No arguments with this one is Axel Foley from Beverly Hills Cop 3. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just that
2: one. None of the others. Uh-huh. Wow. Nah. There's a lot of um, people on this list who defy authority to do the right thing. And, uh, Axel Foley is definitely one of those people and it just becomes more and more likable, uh, as he goes along, uh, no small part because of Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy at the height of Eddie Murphiness, um, which is really, really cool and his, uh, sort of burgeoning friendship with, uh, Rosewood and Taggart um is really really fun to watch as well um we've broken it down into five of his best lines and my favorite of the five is they're not just regular cops, okay they're super cups the only thing missing on these guys are capes which is great
3: <laughs> so
2: yeah <laughs> which probably wasn't in the script <laughs> probably not he's great i mean talk mm.
0: about sheer force of, of character, sheer force of will, and just grabbing a character that must have been fairly nothing on the page and injecting it with his own incredible charisma and swagger and yeah. uh, and making Axel just this, you just can't take your eyes off him. He's great.
3: He's so good. And yeah, th- there's, there's no way that most of that film was in the script sent to Sylvester Stallone. You know, <laughs> it can't have been. <laughs>
0: There's a sliding doors universe in which Sly Stallone has starred in Beverly Hills Cop and uh, and Eddie Murphy ends up in in Rhinestone and you're just like, what's going on? (laughs) Anyway, uh, number 46 it's another animated heroine, it's Moana
3: Make Make way way, Make way (laughs) way. (laughs) I'm so glad
1: we
2: both did that
1: (laughs) Uh, I bloody love Moana, she's great, it feels like if we were talking about merida as like towards the beginning of of disney's sort of reinvention of of these sort of um non-traditional feminist uh, heroes in their sort of ostensibly princess movies Uh, moana feels like the peak of that at the moment in that um yeah she's got an animal sidekick and uh all that and she wears a dress but that doesn't mean she's a princess she's the daughter of the chief she goes out she finds the demigod she returns the heart of tafiti she's a wayfinder she i love that metaphor in in the in the story that she learns about the past learns about the history of her people and uses that to find a way forward um i think is a a beautiful thing and yeah it's it's that classic defying authority and following the voice inside her to to sort of take her people into a prosperous future um and the songs are bangers as well amazing what can i say
2: except you're welcome <laughs> you welcome. welcome also she considered the coconut which uh, we should all do
3: do you guys do you guys
2: know the the rock rap from your welcome off by heart
1: Kid. Honestly, I could go on and on. I could explain every natural phenomenon. The sky, the grass, the ground, oh, all yeah, that, that was magic messing, messing around. around.
3: <laughs> I killed a owl and I buried his guts. His guts. Uh, Spouted uh, a tree, uh, there you go. Uh, coconuts. Go coconuts.
1: <laughs> What's the lesson? What is the What's takeaway? The Don't mind? mess with my He's, Maui he's, the when he's on the breakaway, and there's tapestry here on my skin. Mm-hmm. It's a mapper of the victories I win. Look what I do, I make everything happen. Look at that mini me it's just tippity tap. Ha 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 you now owe Disney five thousand pounds Well done. <laughs> I think they owe me, to be honest.
3: <laughs> Have you guys seen on uh, on Instagram that The Rock keeps singing that rap to his baby daughter, who's like two oh, and a half, three? Nice. And- She absolutely will not accept that he might be involved with Maui. (laughs) No. She loves him doing the rap. She's very much there for that. But when he goes, "Um, is daddy Maui? No. (laughs) It's very cute. cute.
2: Amazing.
0: Oh, bless. Bless. All right. Number 45, uh, Katniss Everdeen. The
2: girl on fire!
0: Isn't that Lisbeth Salander? I'm confused.
3: <laughs> That's the girl who played with fire.
0: All right. Okay.
3: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Katniss is is great because she actively throws herself into harm's way to save uh, a more vulnerable person, namely her sister, and is you know ends up not just saving her sister but standing up for her her entire people and against an entire corrupt system. Um, so she's she's pretty pretty phenomenal I think as a character especially in that first book.
1: That I mean for that story for that generation look at Gen Z having this story that says to Gen Z teenage girls can start a revolution and change the world and we're sort of even seeing that in effect now yeah. it's kind of amazing and if you think about um, the impact of characters on screen and having a phrase that enters the pul- the cultural lexicon um, I volunteer as tribute mm. is absolutely a part of the um, wider cultural consciousness mm. now um, and that is Katniss all over
3: usually in a slightly different uh, sense though because it typically <laughs> seems memes. to be yeah. Yeah, it typically tends to be a thirst tweet rather than yeah. uh, a revolutionary
2: one. Very
0: true. Forty-four. Max Rokotansky
2: We actually have yeah. it down as Mad Max here.
0: I know, but no one. Well, I'm going to call him Max Rocketansky.
3: Seems more. Seems more is, respectful.
0: Mad Max is more of a nickname. It's not on his driver's license. How do you know? Yeah. You never <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> last name Max, first name Mad. <laughs> Uh, so this is entirely uh, up to you, which which vintage you pick. Mel Gibson, who I believe is problematic, uh, and or, or Tom Hardy. So four films, mm. one two of which are all time classics. Um, this is your your solid post apocalyptic bloke in a wasteland with a shotgun, isn't
3: it? Yeah. It is, and it's it's a bloke who uh, spawns legends everywhere he goes. I love that kind of recurring theme through the the first three films, especially that he sort of he leaves a mark behind himself. He leaves a a, a space for some kind of civilization to reemerge, and he becomes kind of the foundational myth of that space, um, which is which is kind of a nice motif. But um, not so much in Fury Road because there's a lot else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, he is he's basically the one sane man left in the in the post. Well, okay. Well, I mean, well, I
2: mean the, the name's
3: suggests. test. <laughs> Say <laughs> oh. Mad in the sense of cross. Mad in the sense of angry. It'll be fine.
1: Working on himself, Max.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Take it some time. <laughs> yeah, I think I've grown as a person, Max. Uh, all right. Number 43. Speaking of heroes whose cool hero name may not be the one printed under driver's license, <laughs> we come to Blade, whose real name is, of course... <laughs> Eric hey, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> for some reason, he has chosen to go with blade instead. Oh. Uh, I fucking love blade.
3: Mm-hmm. End, of, mm-hmm. <laughs> end of speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, you know, I will die on this hill, but there's, there's still a number of people on the internet who do not want to give blade the respect it deserves for starting uh, the sort of super movie boom the modern super movie boom mm-hmm. that we now have, um, and yeah, uh, it also came sort of before The Matrix, and you know he he made that look cool before Neo did, um, <laughs> which is also good. But um, but yeah, there's there's just a certain amount of cool that comes with Blade, especially in those first couple of movies, um, and that is you know what the movie really thrives on uh, in a mm-hmm. big way, and from the moment he makes that incredible entrance in that nightclub uh you're sort of you, you just want to see more of him you're completely on his side um so yeah and wesley snipes you know i've said this before but this was very much wesley snipes's blade as opposed to a blade played mm-hmm. by wesley snipes one of the reasons why i'm excited for the new blade is because i think it will be blade played by Mahershala ali while in the Mahershala ali's blade there's a distinction between those two things but Wesley Snipes's Blade is still very cool and one deserving of being on on this list.
0: You mean it doesn't necessarily bear a lot of resemblance to the character in the comic books? Uh, it's like almost like he he imposed his himself, he imposed his personality on the character, absolutely, and, and the, kind of dragged a kick kicking and screaming into the late nineties.
2: Yeah, no, the, the comic books changed because of Wesley Snipes. Um, that is how yeah. sort of influential mm-hmm. his portrayal was, uh, and yeah, he just got that character from the beginning. It's great. It's
0: he is so cool in that film and I'm I'm with you. I would die without you on that on that hill, amon You would not be alone on that hill. Uh you know, without <laughs> without Blade. <laughs> Marvel don't have the confidence, or studios don't have the confidence to go for X Men, which then leads you know to Spider Man, and then you know leads you know, and now here we are, almost twenty years later, more than twenty years later, going nearly full circle with with Blade coming back into the MCU. But it was so pioneering in so many ways. You look at Blade, the first Blade. You know, it's it's R rated, it's ultra violent, it's dark. You know, it's it's and Wesley Snipes is so good in this role. He's so good. Uh, you know, I said, I wrote a piece for the magazine about this, but I, and I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm going to, you know, like to have the confidence to pull off a line like some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill <laughs> and not just make it like, you know what he means, but it's also the coolest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> In the wrong hands, that like, could have tipped over into arrogance and unlikability. Yeah. But but Wesley, you know, and I know he's had his issues off off camera,
1: yeah. um,
0: but on screen, that is just it's glorious, <laughs> glorious. It's, glorious. It,
1: it's a role uh, Wesley Snipes could do with his eyes closed, including the time he actually did, and they had to CGI
3: <laughs> eyes opening onto his face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god gotta love a bit of blade and at number 42 is a character that i absolutely idolize as well uh this is possibly my favorite character of all time from my favorite movie of all time it is ash from evil dead one two and three and, take it uh, for away, the magazine, Chris. Take it away, Chris Hewitt. Uh, and for the magazine, <laughs> I interviewed Bruce Campbell uh, yet again. And uh, he was just tremendous on uh, on Ash and the the endurance of Ash over the years. Uh, and if you guys haven't seen this character, it's, uh, yeah, he's the coolest coward in movie history. He's, he's just, he's incredible. He is craven. He is idiotic. He is a moron, um, but he looks damn cool while doing so. Uh, I truly genuinely believe that, Campbell's performance in Evil Dead 2 is one of the greatest performances in the history of Celluloid. It is an extraordinary tour de force of athleticism, of physical performance, of, uh, of, uh, of an actor who's just giving it his all. The scene where um, Ash finally snaps because he's been taunted by the evil all night and so there's a scene where the evil possesses every, um, every bit of furniture in the cabin. And makes it laugh at Ash, and including like a lamp, uh, moose's head, and the doors, and they're all laughing at Ash. I know this isn't selling a movie, but trust me. (laughs) And then Ash snaps and starts laughing as well—just delirious, insane, manic laughter—is glorious. The sequence where his hand has been. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the sequence where his hand has been possessed by the evil and he has a battle with his own hand in the kitchen and his hand and he grabs himself and it's like the, it's like the three stooges it's like Buster Keaton it's glorious stuff so he grabs himself by the head with his possessed hand flips himself over smashes mm-hmm. himself in the head with plates it's incredible incredible physical comedy but at the heart of it also is this incredibly iconic Wonderful heroic performance. His delivery of the line, Groovy, is my jam. It is where I live. I love this character. I love this hero. I love these movies. Thank you very much. Good night.
1: And Bruce <laughs> Campbell is an absolute hero for putting up with everything Sam Raimi quite literally threw at him <laughs> over the course of uh, those films, especially Evil Dead 2 and, and Army of Darkness, yeah. when it just everything goes nuts and he's being splattered with things like you said he's sort of twatting himself over the head and like it's so full-on and so funny he he's like a hero in the survivor sense that anybody who could put up with all of the things that happened to him because that bloody necronomicon (laughs) um makes you a hero absolutely amazing
0: I mean, you're talking about there's a scene right at the beginning, which which kicks off the second movie where kind of picks up in the first movie, slightly remakes the first movie where Mm -hmm. the evil rushes at him from the evil's point of view, grabs him, picks him up and propels him through the woods and flips him around. And it's this great continuous shot and he's being hit with tree branches and leaves and all sorts. And those are actual real tree branches that Sam Raimi is is standing off camera and Mm -hmm. belting Bruce Campbell with because they're old friends and he's laughing (laughs) evilly as he does so that's how i like to picture it anyway and uh, like he's really scratching his eye and all sorts of stuff and uh, it's just it's just a wonderful performance and uh it's at 42 which is far too low although it is the meaning of life and ash is the answer to the eternal question right so 41 uh clarice starling uh too
3: low arguably yeah maybe just because uh you know the the, the character was hard done by in uh in the city was it hannibal she appeared in next yeah. film wise obviously yeah. on tv um which was just dreck of the, the lowest order but jodie foster's Clarice starling i think is extraordinary because i think she just walks the line perfectly between nervousness and obviously a lack of experience a lack of um of knowledge, really, um, she's put in this position kind of as a throwaway sacrificial lamb, uh, ironically, uh, and yet she ends up getting the results to to certainly her boss's surprise, and I think a little bit to her own surprise as well. Um, so the the scenes between her and uh, Hannibal the Cannibal Hopkins um, are just they're <laughs> they're just fantastic because they're clearly both I- incredibly bright, sharp people, um, and he almost alone in the first half of that movie doesn't underestimate her um i mean to 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 a, a large degree you know her her bosses have kind of sent her in there not expecting anything she has she knows she's good but nobody else really knows it. Nobody else sees that in her until Hannibal, which is, which is a weird setup for their, for their relationship and, and a really, really effective one. And yeah, and then her bravery in the last act of that film and, and her terror, her evident terror, it also just makes you love her.
0: First Oscar winner on the list. Am I right?
3: Oh, I think you might be.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, Bruce Campbell should have won the Oscar for Evil Dead <laughs> 2. Wesley Snipes should have won the Oscar for Blade, but didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, first Oscar winner on the list
3: and and the most recent film to win the big 5 oscars.
0: Indeed. Um but she's she's so great and as you say Helen the way that uh, you know uh, Jodie Foster and the way that Jonathan Demme make her mm. feel very much hemmed in and alone by judgmental males. Um yeah. I can't imagine that that rings true of you at all in any at any point. For <laughs> <And> me. No. <laughs> yeah. mm. Especially right now, right?
3: <laughs> no comment, Chris. No comment. <laughs> mm, mm, <absolutely. laughs> no, this Quite is a safe r- space, guys. This is a safe space. <laughs> this is the <a> safe space. <laughs> this is like the FBI running track or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, number forty. Another groundbreaking female hero, Trinity from The Matrix. Oh my yes. God, I love Trinity.
2: Very deserved.
3: I got to speak to Carrie Anne Fult- Moss for this for the mag as well, so it's worth yeah. checking out her interview because I thought she was delightful. Absolutely.
2: Now it's, you know, for, for as much as the first matrix is about Neo's journey, it's also an ensemble movie, uh, in a really big way. And Trinity is the first person we see Trinity is the person who brings Neil back to life. Um, and she, I, I just love how she's utilizing that first movie, especially. Um, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that matrix four, which I'm, stupidly excited to see, uh, uses yep. her, um, as well as the first movie does. I think she, she gets the short shift a little bit in the sequels. Um, but the first movie, she's absolutely fantastic and a mm-hmm. uh-huh, and definitely worthy of inclusion on this list. Yeah, she she gets so many of the coolest
1: moments as well.
2: Like yes. obviously the, the opening
3: <laughs> sequence
1: with the the iconic uh, sort of initial bullet time sequence, the the dodge this moment, and then mm-hmm. even in um, even in uh, Reloaded, she's the one who's driving the bike yes. on the uh, in the amazing freeway chase. Oh, um, she's just cool as fuck. She's so cool.
3: Cool is really important because women don't often get to play cool in the movies, like it, hot. Yeah absolutely no problem lots and lots of hot women in the movies but cool is really really rare like there's trinity there's angelina jolie and wanted recently we've had a few cool female characters but really like in 2000s it was vanishingly rare Mm -hmm. um even ellen ripley is is only cool about 50 percent of the time in the alien movies um it's it's a really, really rare thing to see. And and Anne Moss gave gave her so much more depth than just cool because she's kind of she's kind of his comfort and she's kind of his guide in a lot of ways in those movies. Like Morpheus is his teacher, no question, oh. but she he's she's the one that he looks to for guidance. She's you know, he always, every time he's unsure, he kind of looks at Trindy and she'll kind of nod at him and then he'll know he's okay um yeah. in that movie. And I think that relationship is is founded on such a quality as a result.
1: I love that he's kind of awed by her as well mm-hmm. like at the start he knows her as the hacker yeah. like he is sort of already in awe of her and he doesn't even know that she could like jump over buildings and <laughs> hover in the air and kick people
0: in the face yet so. I mean he should know that he just takes one look at her and she looks like someone who can do that <laughs> <Yeah. Wow.
3: laughs> she really does can I just say as well that I um, when I when I interviewed Carrie-Anne Moss I told her that that line that Trindy says in that opening scene so she's you know jumped from one building through the window of the next rolled down the stairs come to a rest against the wall and turned around you know, with two guns pointing back at the window for anyone following her, and she kind of pauses there for a minute, petrified, and then she says, "Get up, Trinity, just get up," and goes on about her her chase. Uh, like that's the way I got I get out of bed in the morning. That is genuinely one of the phrases that I use to myself when things are tough.
0: You get up in the morning, yeah, by jumping out of the window of one building <laughs> into another window, pulling out two guns pointed at an empty space. Yes. Seems or, a bit much,
3: I mean, you know, you've got to get your exercise somehow, Chris. <laughs> no, but literally the, the line, the line is one that I use a lot and uh, and right. c- comfortingly, Carrie-Anne Moss says she also tells herself that on the regular.
2: <laughs> so uh, Avengers Steam plus Matrix is how, how long it wakes up. Not bad. Yep.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number 39 of <At> my signal. <laughs> unleash Maximus.
2: Oh. Oh. Oh, oh my god. I love like this movie. One of the greatest movies of all time. It might... My- in my opinion, I fucking love, it. and you know, it's, it's this, is not, <laughs> this is not, this is not the first. Rash. This is not the first time I will say this, but I there are very few things I love seeing more on screen than good leadership, and Maximus is a guy you just gravitate to immediately. Like after that incredible scene uh, where he sort of uh, wills his fellow gladiators to victory, and they're all sort of shouting Maximus and he's being sort of lowered down back into the, the cage. There's like two massive dudes on either side of him. Who actually, who actually dwarf him. And yet there's no question who leads these guys. It's Maximus. And you just know that instinctively. And it's from you feel that like from the beginning of the movie when he's making his way through uh, his army and everyone's just there's the innate respect this guy commands is just awesome. And Russell Crowe absolutely deserved the, the Oscar that he won for this. Um, Ridley Scott, for me, this is still his best film. I'll put it above alien. I love it that much. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Gladiator is, uh, and then when you, when you add in Hans Zimmer's score into all of that, which is still to this yeah. day, my favorite score of all time is the score that got me into film scores. Um, you know, that, that sequence I mentioned where sort of, uh, I think it's the battle of Carthage that. The, that, that battle and then the reveal would come with Commodus is just 10 to 15 minutes of perfect filmmaking. I freaking love it.
0: It's no kingdom of heaven, though, is it? Oh,
2: See, you oh. messaged this to me a few weeks ago <laughs> and I just shook my head. I, I didn't even dignify you when I reply. Can't believe you're bringing it up I again. Can leave him on red. <laughs> Arise,
1: yeah.
2: a knight. Arise.
3: <laughs> the night oh, last <laughs>
0: <Now, that's> leadership <laughs> yeah
3: he's, he's
0: no russell crow is he uh, crow had made an impact in hollywood already obviously there was virtuosity everyone knows that and loves that movie and can quote it off by heart but there's, there's obviously <laughs> quick and the dead as well which is a sam raimi film i adore also and la confidential LA
3: confidential
0: yeah and that had kind of opened the door crack and then gladiator saw him just burst through the door and just smash it off its hinges and kill everyone standing on the other (laughs) side. Uh, It's it's such a great, intense star making performance. Mm
3: and a real celebration of manly manliness you know he's 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 never been better in that movie and in some ways i think it's been a, a little bit of a a curse almost on his career since because it's really hard to get that balance of toughness and tenderness and and humor and you know as as amon says leadership um, and i think some of his films since have tried to kind of replicate the formula and not quite done it i mean master and commander is the only one i, I can yeah. think of where he is as charming as he is here
2: yeah, I love Master Commander Fire Side of the World, too, uh, mm. but it's still second in comparison to this movie for me. Yeah,
0: You guys have heard, presumably heard about the bad shit and saying Nick Cave script for Gladiator 2. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Don't do it. As in Nick Cave, Nick Cave. As in Nick Cave, yeah. Nick Cave. As mm-hmm. in um, uh, Ridley Scott <clears throat> and um, Russell Crowe wanted to make a sequel to Gladiator 2, and they were like, <laughs> somehow they got Nick Cave, who has co cool written screenplays in the past mm-hmm. somehow they got Nick Cave to write the screenplay for it and he was like um, but it, hang on didn't, didn't Maximus die no in the saying. first movie and they were like You'll work it out. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> it's,
0: it's this bad shit insane. I haven't read the script, but I've read things about it. It's this bad shit insane Odyssey through the underworld that uh, basically ends up with Maximus traveling through time or something like that. It's absolutely demented and fighting like mythological creatures. It's it, you know somehow it didn't get made. It's a so you, real mystery to you, me. So
2: you said time, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure no one's ears are burning somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah his next film will actually be made in ancient rome he's he's defined as a time machine nothing but the best uh number 38 now this is interesting guys this is the first the first real example of a hero who may not actually be a hero um but you know what's it what's that line either die a villain or you live long or is it the other way around
3: Die a hero or live long enough to self- see yourself become the villain. Correct.
0: Yes, it's the inversion of that. <laughs> so this is a villain who did die a villain and then lived long enough to see his movie do really, really well, and therefore he became a hero. It's the mm. Terminator at thirty-eight.
1: Yeah, we, we we have to be talking about T two here, yep. right? The uh, and, and that that switch that inversion um is is pretty amazing. I I feel sad that I never got to see Terminator two, not knowing that that switch happen Mm -hmm. because i can only imagine being in the cinema and sort of seeing him wade in seeing the roses fall to the ground seeing the shotgun and
2: going oh my god what the and then seeing that whole um yes switch take place to be fair ben that scene got spoiled in a trailer for terminator 2 that's how they marketed the movie what so they revealed it oh can you imagine (laughs) I i don't
0: know that anyone went into that cinema not knowing that he was the hero of the movie. Yeah.
3: Right. Because by that point, he was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, he wasn't just some mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. yeah.
0: And back in, the, back in the day, so it was 1991, and this is back in the day after I just, just started, you know, by an empire in 89 and i was really properly getting into my film stuff so i knew going in but i just assumed everyone did as well but uh, i didn't think it was ever meant to be some huge twist because the t-1000 is clearly the bad guy when he, <laughs> he
1: arrives
0: the music changes
1: <laughs> i just remember that amazing uh that amazing trailer that they did that was like um sort of didn't show anything from the film it was like the the terminator factory thing um which you can find it online it's a great trailer mm. but it's like a teaser that doesn't show you anything and also promises a lot mm. um but yeah the 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 terminator and t2 the, the arnie terminator is the t800 is yeah. that right is that the right number yeah it's, it's, it's a t101 it, model but the t it's all
0: very confused <laughs> there's all sorts of things yeah. Around. but yeah let's call it t100 t800 and, uh, and i mean the, the
1: idea the idea of him sort of being a, yeah, a learning machine, a machine who learns, who becomes more human, who grows to become empathetic, who, um, yeah, is, is the savior of, of John Connor um, is a really lovely storyline. And is, he's like still a total badass. They make him sort of lovable, but don't remove anything that makes him sort of cool mm. and fearsome at the same time.
3: Yeah. It's a great balancing act that way, but he he is almost, you know, golem in ancient kind of um, legends. Like he's, he's whatever you put into him to be. So if Skynet controls him, he's a bad guy. If someone changes the writing in his head, essentially he becomes, he becomes a goodie and he will stop at nothing to save you in the way that he would have stopped at nothing to, to hurt, hurt you or to end you before. So, um, it's, it's a great, it's actually a great mythological figure. I think he's a really clever, clever piece of writing, but, um, but he's also quite tragic because he he does learn and we do learn to love him and then he does you know sacrifice himself for all of us at the end spoiler oh the thumbs yeah, up yeah. chris is giving me the thumbs up, well, oh, thumbs no. up.
1: <laughs> the thumbs up's ridiculous um, <laughs> he gave us that gif which is usable in so many so ways on twitter
2: so ways. that in itself
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i know not why you gif but it was something like i could never do <laughs> Number 37 is the bride Beatrix Kiddo from Mm. Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2. How do we feel about this?
1: Hero. This is another one that calls into question the idea of hero because she is badass and amazing. And she, I mean, she is totally righteous and being pissed off and wanting to kill the rest of the Deadly Viper squad. but she's not a conventional hero in the sense that she is going out of her way to outright murder people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when she does it, she's very, very cool. And she spares innocent people like uh, the, the Charlie Brown oh, guy nice. in the uh, House of Blue Leaves. <laughs> she, if, if, unless you're actively standing in her way and stopping her from uh, killing the people on her list, she's got no qualms with you. And, and it's good to have a code, you know, if you're going to go on a <laughs> massive slaughtering spree. Uh, you should have some kind of rules that you, that you follow. She's not even actively trying to kill uh, Black Mamba in front of her kid. Like, she's not trying to be malicious about it. She's just like, look, you've got to die. And we can go and do that somewhere really quiet if you want. We can make it nice for you. Um, again, she's got, she's got principles.
2: Yeah. Probably Arya Stark's favourite hero.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's making
2: a list, list. <laughs> she's
0: checking it twice she's going to find out who's naughty and really naughty
2: uh, the um the mag has a really cool breakdown of all of the the bride's fights uh, done by priscilla page who i'm a massive fan of um and it's really cool so we got beatrix versus vanita we've got beatrix versus the crazy 88 Beatrix versus Bud, Beatrix versus L Ellie Driver, and Beatrix versus Bill, finally.
0: That fight with L Driver is, is all-time great mm. for me. That's just a fantastic, fantastic fight.
2: Do you think we're going to get Volume 3? I really yes. hope
1: so. I would love, I would love Tarantino to come back round to this. I think it would be a really great. It, it, his whole thing is he's very aware that he's making a legacy. Uh, he's very conscious of what his filmography is, and I feel like he might not be able to resist the idea of bringing it full circle with that, with that third Kill Bill film. And like Uma would still be amazing in that role. I think there is a lot of legacy there, and I think it would be interesting because like. The, the the whole story of this I, uh, long before midsummer this was the uh, apocalyptic breakup movie the the sort of the breakup between her and bill is the thing that drives it all and then to like flip that on its head and take it from Vanita green's kid's perspective of of her heartbreak and having to sort of reconcile with that would be a really interesting flip side mm. all right number
3: 36 are <laughs> you fools
0: mm. <laughs> that's right. It's Aragorn. No, it's uh, Gandalf.
2: <laughs> this guy has so many names: Gandalf Two, the Grey. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? No, <laughs> what? Gandalf Christ. the Grey. Gandalf yes. Stonecrow. Gandalf okay. the White. Miss um, okay, Randir. Um. Are you the, accusing him of identity? wizard? <laughs> his
3: his original name is different again. Hang on, I've forgotten it. It's
0: it's, uh, it's Keith it's Summers. And it
3: maybe begins with an E. Olorin, there we go. V- Mithra to the El- Mithrandir to the elves, Tharkun to the dwarves, Olorin in his youth, um, and Gandalf, and mm-hmm. Bloodorthin at one point as well wow. in an early manuscript of the hol- of the Hobbit. What's he trying book. to hide? <laughs> <me> <laughs> ask. It's
2: massive check forward. fraud. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: but, I mean, Ben, you talk about you talk about sort of phrases which have entered the popular culture lexicon. You, you shall not pass. Well, you cannot pass. Mm-hmm. No, no, you shall not pass. You shall not pass. <laughs> it's into the popular. I can see, I can see it's burned in into your like, brain. I, you home. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Burn it to my brain. Goodness me! Please don't
1: pass. <laughs> um, look, if you, if you, if you <laughs> would mind, ever
0: mind awfully ever so much, not passing, that would be absolutely splendid.
2: It's so. My brain just had like I've I got so many Gandalf quotes embedded in my brain. I uh, that's, just, that's so weird. Um, but yeah, he's a very cool character in that he is heroic because he's wise. Um, mm-hmm. and that's not sort of a trait, which you see in many people on this list, but that is very much, um, attributed to Gandalf. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's a, there's a certain amount of calm that he brings to any situation, like even in return of the King, there's that beautiful scene, I can't remember which one, of, I think it's with Mary, um, but uh, a troll is about to sort of break down the gate and he and Gandalf just have a chat and the music just calms down and Gandalf tells a story and everything for about 30 seconds is just calm and right and then it just brings you back mm. to the fight. And that is just typical Gandalf to me. I I, I love the character.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Can we all agree that Gandalf the Grey is so much better than Gandalf the White? Yeah. He's got like yeah. he's got a real chill vibe in Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> and I know that like sacrificing yourself has got to be a pretty heavy burden and you'd probably come back with some sort of messianic uh vibe going on but he's i love how like gentle and like nice he is (laughs) in fellowship of the ring and he like he he smokes weed he smokes the (laughs) halfling's leaf he's like he just rolls into town with a big thing of fireworks he's like got a really nice like low-key vibe early on mm. and he still is badass and still faces down the balrog mm. i i'm less warm about gandalf the white because he's just like
2: oh i'm going to go right
1: in with my
2: <laughs> Gand- see see i i hear i hear just saying ben and i don't disagree but gandalf the white i love him because he's just a beast in two towers every <laughs> time he everybody he goes up against just gets whacked it's it's, it's wonderful <laughs> You know, he comes back, beast mode. he comes back Engaged. immediately, you know, Aragorn, give me a Legolas, disarmed within 20 seconds, you're dead. Um, Then then he goes to and rescues him, fine, no problem. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's taken out every- Then, at the end of the two towers, he has uh, the portals, moment four portals, where he comes down <laughs> with a ring of, I mean, he's a beast. I, I, I love Guy the White.
3: Yeah, I think he does also loosen up as he goes along. Like he once he reunites with some of the fellowship, like it's almost like he remembers who he is or remembers who he was. You can see the kind of the sternness of mm-hmm. that initial scene kind of wear down a little bit, and kind of uh, the the rough edges get kind of get rubbed off him basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gandalf is just the greatest, and he's also he's he's really interesting in that he's a wizard who doesn't rely on magic. Like you said, I'm on he's he's he relies on wisdom, but he doesn't necessarily rely on big flashy spells on waving his wand and making everything okay. You know, he, he puts in the work mm-hmm. um, to make things happen. He doesn't just sort of wave his hand and boom, everything's sorted.
0: I always, whenever, whenever I read these novels when I was growing up, it was always Gandalf that I gravitated towards, that I connected with. I've got a thing for wizards. Um don't know why. Um, this is a David Blaine thing again.
2: <laughs> Have all of you read the Lord of the Rings novels then? Thank you, Ben. Oh, yeah. I'm with no, you. No, I tried. Me
1: too. I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I remember getting about halfway through the first one and just being like, "I am not enjoying this, <laughs> yeah. and it's a bit of a slog." And oh, I think to be honest, knows. even it's be really a little bit of time to warm up to the films. I was ten when the first one came out, young and people. it was great. And I was really into the like Hobbit storyline. It was only much later. I think we're going to get some other characters, but some of the other storylines in that in that trilogy. Um, Really, really hit me in a different way when I was a bit older. Um, so yeah, I think I think Lord of the Rings is slightly harder work when you're a kid, even in film form, let alone uh, in the books.
0: One last thing on Gandalf before we move on. Um, McKellen is fantastic. There's no question yeah. about that. No yeah. one's disputing that. Still, a small part of me wonders what Sean Connery would have done with it. <laughs> no, there's not. Stop there it. Mean, look, I mean, look,
3: I love Sean there Connery. Really I is. adore. I adore Sean Connery. <laughs> I, I don't know fork. that he, I don't know that he could have brought the same
2: gravitas um,
3: seriousness to it. No, not gra- like gravitas he can do, but like gravitas. Do you know what I mean? John
0: Connery is gravitas,
3: <laughs> but I don't think he would have taken it as seriously as McKellen did, and I think well, that he wouldn't have was- understood
0: it. Is basically you know, like it wasn't like he would he would have taken it as seriously as the paycheck demanded, but it's like he wouldn't have had. He, I don't think he would have thrown himself into. I'll reread the books, I'll read the subtext. I'll, you know, I'll do you know none of that yeah. stuff. He would, but just turned up going. Yeah. Tell me what to say. I look at the little fellow and I say something. Okay, yes, I understand. I don't understand the wordless. That's what he would have been like
1: if it was the beatles version do we know who would have played gandalf was it was it one of the beatles that would have played gandalf i'm kind of obsessed um, with the idea of that
0: wasn't it they they were all going to be the hobbits weren't they that was the idea right it was going to be john paul george and ringo as the hobbits um i don't think it would have been horrendously terrible um can you imagine i don't know who who would have been a decent mick jagger
3: fly you fools No! <laughs> you shall not no, pass! He... Oh no! No, he would have been an amazing Legolas. <laughs> you said legless or Legolas? I mean, a bit of both, if I'm honest. A bit of both.
0: <laughs> Keith Richard is legless. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Number 35. He is the one.
3: Yay! He is the one! <laughs> You'll never guess he's the one. <laughs>
0: he's yeah. not the one. He's a 35. But, um, but you know. Oh, and... Um, yeah,
3: he's good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: At this point, that's what I'm reduced to. He's good. He, he is, is the really chosen good. one.
3: Yeah. He's just very cool. He's He goes from... Um, he's not quite zero to hero, but... I mean, you you watch that film, and and it could be problematic if it was anybody but Keanu. This this idea of you know the the hacker nerd who will save us all, um, it it shouldn't work, and and save us all through copious amounts of bullets and and leather. Mm. But <laughs> it kind of just works because you you just trust him, and and because he does go through the ringer, like he's literally. His yeah. entire world is stripped away from him and his eyebrows and he has to, you know, learn a whole new way of being and Kung Fu. You know, he has a heck of a learning curve and, and a heck of a of a journey in that film and I think it makes you absolutely root for him every moment of the way.
2: Underrated neo-fact, he is the coolest flyer in movies ever.
0: <laughs> that's not a fact, that's an opinion.
2: It's a fact. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Underrated Neo fact, Neo is an anagram of one. Have you ever figured that out? You ever thought about that? <laughs> wow.
2: What? blowing my mind. Blur my mind. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, no, I when he really sort of comes into his own and reloaded and he's just flying for fun, it's really cool to watch. Mm. I freaking love it. He is a
0: hero <laughs> for sitting through his
2: conversation with the
0: architect. And I'm <laughs> not one to slap that beard off his face. <laughs>
1: I mean, in in terms of hero wish fulfilment, being able to lie in a chair and have kung fu uploaded directly Mm. into your head is like (laughs) real top tier stuff. It's kind of amazing.
2: Probably his most heroic moment, choosing to sacrifice himself in revolutions. It's a big moment for him. Um, And I know that, you know, that film has its critics, um, but Mm. some some of the arcs really sort of uh, work for me. In that film, and again, I'm looking forward to seeing his return. I have no idea how they're going to do it, but I'm intrigued to see it.
0: Well, you know, he, you know, is he technically dead at the end of *Revolutions*? I'm not so sure he is. Trinity is. That seems yeah. fairly, fairly uh, <laughs> incontrovertible. So, uh, how she's going to come back, I have no idea, but it's going to be exciting finding out. Number thirty-four. Hello, Gandalf. I'm Frodo Baggins. <laughs> I'll carry your ring into the volcano. Like that was a Spot terrible on. impression. <laughs> that, was my, um, that was my audition.
3: <laughs> it's amazing to me that Elijah Wood got it instead of you. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I think Frodo's a great hero because he starts off as a you know privileged rich kid uh, with absolutely no problems in life, let's be honest, um, and ends up going out into a big wide world where he is one of the smallest guys around and still manages to save us all. And he does it you know, much of it by being overlooked, of course, literally by by Sauron, but also by you know, toughing out horrific situations, by resisting the endless blandishments of the Ring itself, um, and uh, the the endless sort of machinations of Gollum in in the latter half of the story. Um, so he's just he's kind of great, and I think he I know he's whiny, and I know he he mm-hmm. does kind of you know talk endlessly by oh it's very difficult you know I'm, this isn't easy but you know in his defense it is difficult and it isn't easy so i have some sympathy with him at least
2: helen you're the marathon person Fodor has walked from the shire all the way to mount doom how many badges is that worth
3: i mean that would be <laughs> quite a lot of medals i mean he wouldn't have to worry about giving up the bling of the ring because he's gonna get a whole lot more bling <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: In a marathon, is it an advantage to have abnormally large feet? Because they are probably what kept him going that whole way.
0: It's an advantage to have a giant eagle pick you up at the beginning and then just carry you to the end.
3: Oh my God, the the true meaning that.
1: of fly, you fools.
0: I mean,
3: look, as long as you've got well fitted shoes, um, Ben. But actually, weirdly, I did do a marathon um, last year, which was a, a Lord of the Rings themed marathon. And somebody did turn up dressed as a hobbit. And they even had those toe trainers. Wow. You know the ones with the. the T- yeah but they'd actually even stuck a little bit of fur to the front of the trainer to make it look more like hobbit feet genuinely amazing I, attention to i these can't ones.
0: i can't get on board with those trainers there's just <laughs> something about them i just don't i know uh, no hard pass <laughs> hard pass you shan't let hard pass
1: <laughs> yeah i guess you'd have to have the socks as well if you're going to wear those as shoes you'd also have to have the socks that have the little toe things um, in yeah, yeah. you double would unless overall. you
3: just go barefoot in them if they're if they're well padded enough but um but i would personally not run a marathon in either um just lots of vaseline between the toes guys anyway oh. here endeth the lesson
0: <laughs> all right so uh after that uh one medal to rule them all etc cetera, etc cetera. after that <laughs> unexpected baggins in the heroes area number 33
1: hermione granger oh oh she's great isn't mm. she i i wrote the little testimonial for this bit in the mag <laughs> um and she she's so clever and she's completely unapologetic about who she is and what her gifts are and she uses her her cleverness she uses her her bossy streak to basically like get harry and ron through everything they need to do they would have been completely screwed without her um Mm -hmm. she has all the bright ideas she's read all the books um and yeah it's, it's a lovely message her being sort of of muggle parents and not really having any way into this world and just excelling through uh, sheer intelligence and hard work and diligence, and everyone comments all the way through how she's the, the brightest witch of her age. Um, yeah, she's great. Also, she punched Malfoy in the face mm-hmm. in Woo. one of the best scenes in the in the whole Woo. series. Um, so she's not afraid to get her hands dirty or to smack fascists. So <laughs> yeah. yay Hermione. Yay
3: Hermione, Absolutely. Number
0: 32 is Jason Bourne. <laughs> mm. This guy is fully on board with this. Number 31. <laughs> I just can't remember who he is, to be honest. <laughs> <first>. <laughs> now you know how he feels. Then <laughs> you set him up. I'll, I'll kind of yeah. semi knock him down. Um, yeah, so for this, I interviewed Paul Greengrass uh, for the magazine. So if you want to read that, I had a lot of fun catching mm. up with Paul. And uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I um, I did this on Squadcast with with Paul, and um, <laughs> he had his bookshelves behind him, and you know, obviously, he's an incredibly intelligent guy, very, very worldly wise guy. He's very, very connected and plugged into what's happening in the world right now, and all his bookshelves were all these incredible you know, political books, current affairs books, books about, you know, the state of the world as it is now. And I became very, very rapidly aware that my books behind me were Lee Child, Stephen King. And I was standing, (laughs) I was, the way I was sitting, I was sitting, I have an Avengers logo, which is basically uh Something I nicked from one of the tables at the Avengers Endgame World premiere in LA last year. Oh, were you there? As You've a, never mentioned as, it. I don't know if I've ever mentioned <laughs> it, but I was there. And as the party was winding down, my wife and I were like, should we take a, just, just fucking nick one of these? So we nicked one of them and uh, we freed it. We freed it. We rescued it. Uh, <laughs> otherwise it was going to be, it was going to be pulped. Uh, so we, 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 we spared it from its, uh, its terrible fate and we brought it back and I've now stuck it on my wall. And I was aware that we were having these discussions about, you know, politics and the real world and all this sort of stuff. And I had an Avengers look at my wall and I I tried to do this thing where, I, while Paul was talking, I tried to just move my head ever so <laughs> slightly and just try and cover the yellow logo behind me. And then that revealed to Stephen King and I was like, oh no, so up comes the arm. he <laughs> just become really unnatural by the end of it. Anyway, Jason Bourne. Um,
1: I'll tell you what's nice about that. Yeah. You you were saying obviously you spoke to Paul Greengrass for for the magazine. I did, and Jason Bourne could have used that magazine to beat the shit out
3: of someone. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> That's awesome. for having an Avengers logo on my wall. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: he's in many ways uh, the anti-Bond, and I think again is is you know we we probably look back now the last film, Jason Bourne wasn't that great. Then it was a Bourne legacy, which tainted the legacy. But it's easy to forget, I think, how good the first three movies, in particular Supremacy and Ultimatum, are Mm. and and what an impact Jason Bourne had on action movies in general and Mm. the way they were presented. I mean, you know, the Bond completely changed his tack, I think, because of the impact of Bourne.
3: Yeah and I think it's it's not just the you know the shaky cam and the you know the the more grinded action sequences I think it's also this idea of needing redemption of of having to make morally questionable choices in pursuit of what you think is the right thing um which is which is essentially you know Jason Bourne's whole thing like his whole thing is trying to figure out not just who he is but what he did that was so dreadful because he knows there's something and he's trying to to get to grips with that and and atone for that in some ways and I think that had been almost entirely missing from Bond before the Bourne-era-influenced films. And I think it's been a real addition to that character because it's given him depth for really the first time, arguably, and, and certainly some nuance that had been absent before. Mm.
2: There, there are also very few people who can inspire copious amounts of fear by the way they end a the phone call. Jason Bourne is one of those people. And it's always very cool when he does that, because he's standing right next to you. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> you're looking that tired, you
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? How, oh, how can you see that? Oh no, you're in my room. Uh, number thirty-one. This guy's fairly clear-cut. There's no, there's no um, conflict with him. It's Atticus Finch. From to kill a mockingbird,
3: yeah, I mean, I wrote the bit for this one, and I just think he's incredible. I think he has probably um he's the one shining example of a good lawyer that people sort of tend to put up <laughs> in balance to all the others, um but you know he does he does the right thing, and he it's kind of a pyrrhic victory, but you know as someone points out in both the book and the film, Atticus Finch makes that racist white jury deliberate for 4 hours before coming to a racist foregone conclusion he actually shakes their um their certainty in their own rightness that much and and you know that is it's a Pyrrhic victory and it's well it's a loss uh, for him but it is it is the closest i think anyone could have come in in that time and in those circumstances and it shows how weighted the scales were and indeed remain um in you know, race-related cases like that in the American Deep South. Um, so it's it's a really, really great book. It's a great film. I absolutely refuse to acknowledge the canonicity of the sequel, and I suggest that all of you <laughs> do too, um, because mm-hmm. I, I refuse to accept that um, depiction of of Atticus in my life. But um, but this one is is wonderful, and he's a good father and a good you know homebody as well.
0: Number thirty, Captain Marvel.
1: Oh, she's great. I The uh, the thing, especially the way it, well, it's a movie list, let's talk about sort of Captain Marvel in in the movies and especially in, in her own movie, I really like that it's a very different sort of origin story and it's about her already being aware of the alien side of herself and uh, coming to learn and understand about the human side of herself and, and synthesising those two things, refusing to let anybody else tell her who she is or, or what she should be or how she should re- respond to things. The way she faces down uh, Jude Law's Jon Rog at the end, when he's trying to, uh, all the way through the film, he's been telling her not to give in to her emotions, and her going like, "I have to listen to you. I'll, I'll like listen to my emotions if I want," and her sort of blasting him away is amazing. And the the way that she overcomes the um uh, the sort of brainwashing that she's had to to believe that the scrolls are all evil and that they have to go and defeat the scrolls, and ultimately fighting for them as a as an oppressed uh sort of race is is great mm. she she fights for what she believes in she's got cosmic powers she's like i think brie larson gives her a lot of humanity as well all of the scenes that she has with young uh maria rambo mm. uh a lovely the, the the sequence where she chooses the colors on the costume um a really great she's she's warm and she's badass and yeah she's Unapologetically human, but also uh,
2: has all of these crazy cosmic powers that can kick your ass. She also has the third best entrance in the Marvel movie.
3: In Endgame.
2: Endgame is yeah third best after Thor and Portals. is her. She's great. That's
1: um, what when she crashes through <laughs> yeah, Thanos' yeah. ship in, yeah. in the third yeah, act? Yeah, yeah. That, yes, is, she's, that is great.
0: She's, she's yeah, she's great. I think I think Endgame um, is interesting in in it points the. The way towards what that character could become. Um, mm-hmm. I think with lists like this, there's always a bit of a recency bias. Sure. Uh so certain characters might not be on this list if we were to do this too, you know, if, if we were to do this like three years from now. Having said that, Captain Marvel two would be out by that point exactly. and be probably amazing. She probably would be been the list as well. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have had her on the list at this point. It's a mid tier MCU movie. But hey ho. Um, you know, we can, we can quibble about this one. We can downright be uh, angry with number 29. What the fuck is Ben Solo doing on this list, Empire Raiders? Explain yourselves. Oh, you're not yeah. here. Uh, you didn't show up, <laughs> did you, you cowards?
3: This is a weird one just because, you know, okay, there's some redemption there at the end, all right? There's a level of redemption. And there's certainly been a level of um, unsureness about his villainy throughout, on his part, as well as any, uh, several other people's. But I mean, that's true of Darth Vader as well. And Darth Vader has been voted the best villain on all sorts of lists throughout history. So I'm not sure that we can have Ben Solo as a hero if we don't also have Darth Vader as a hero. Because he spent, I mean, three more films being a hero than Ben Solo did. Exactly. Um it's this is this feels like an odd one. I feel like we might be going on the fact that Ben Solo has better hair than Darth Vader, and and you know, <laughs> but but by that standard, I mean this should be Poe Dameron's place. So I, I well, don't really understand. That's what really harsh. About here like,
0: at all. like Anakin Skywalker has helmet hair. Like don't don't patronize him. Don't discriminate Look, against him just because he I'm has bad saying. hair.
3: I didn't say I was discriminating against him. I'm saying people are discriminating for the good hair.
0: Mm. no I, I get that I'm not saying you are but I'm just saying this is this is. Uh, I'm <laughs> trying to explain this, this shit show of a choice this is ridiculous he's Ben Solo in these movies for about three minutes how is he on this list what is going on and when he does become Ben Solo he's rubbish
1: <laughs> he, he is emblematic I think he was voted by all the people who all the men who love to show up way too late at the last minute do the bare minimum and then give up
0: oh I'm fully on board sorry uh... <laughs> now you've explained it
1: I think people really maybe see themselves in that and uh lean into it. Fuck it, but yeah, never one <laughs> <laughs> Even I, as the as the uh, sequel trilogy stan, can't condone uh, Ben Solo being on this list, especially because Kylo Ren would be very high up on a villains list for me. He's such a rich and complex villain who, um, I mean, it's Star Wars. He's going to get his redemption, and he ultimately does. But, uh, like, yeah, 20 minutes at the end of the film, mm-hmm. at if the end of the been, third yeah. film to, to get him on the heroes list, is uh, it's a reach. It's a real reach. It's like bringing on
0: – it's like – you know, you're 3-3 in a cup final and it's the 89th minute and you bring on the substitute and he and you see he pokes one in from two yards to win the game and he gets all the glory. And all the people who've put, you know, they've gone through their blood and their sweat and their tears and they've left it on the pitch and they have to watch this fucking prick going off gl- and grandstanding and being carried aloft on the shoulder of his, shoulder of his teammate. Furious. I'm furious about this.
2: Goes when he wants so yeah. sorry, what?
0: <laughs> he's one of our own, and Solo, he's one of our own.
3: <laughs> wow. Anyway, yeah, it's I. I think it's fairly unjustifiable. This one. Um, I mean, he does have that cool move with the lightsaber. That's the only reason I can think of that people have voted for him. Genuinely, I think. I think that cool move with the lightsaber down the back has has you know inflated his position on this list to a point where he is on this list
1: it's a farce it's a farce and i moved to have it oh. stricken from the record i i wrote the entry for this that sort of ties into the the next entry on the list that we'll come to and trying to make even in the way that we approached it trying to make the argument that has to start with look he killed his dad <laughs> And that was a very bad thing. It's really hard to claw your way back from there. Which is also why, like, fair play to them. That the I think the way they do his redemption is genuinely well done. I I believe that that redemption when it comes um, from a place from <laughs> a very very the deep dark depths that he plums himself into. He redeems uh, himself in... by imagining a conversation with his dad, where his
0: dad absolves him of all his crimes.
1: It's a nice conversation. <laughs>
0: I mean, come on, man. Come on. Uh, but anyway, listen, you know, I've made my peace with Ben Solo. He's on the list. There's nothing we can do about that. And luckily, I'm I'm totally happy with whatever comes next on the list. Number 28. Holy shit, it's Ray. Yes. <laughs>
2: well,
1: no, this makes yes. more sense. Ray, yeah. Ray highly deserves to be here. Yeah, she's, all right. I, I, I when i wrote that thing for the website on on may the 4th uh saying that the sequel trilogy is is my personal favorite star wars trilogy uh yes feel free to shout um (laughs) that's fine a big part of that is ray i love her arc like the the where she begins in that trilogy that that scene of her eating her one half portion sat at the foot of the of the at with um, the rebel uh, helmet on, the rebel X-Wing helmet, F- going from there to then where she ends up at the end of the trilogy, flying into battle in Luke Skywalker's X-Wing with his X-Wing helmet on. I, I just love, I love that whole sweep. She is the person – people talk about her being uh, like a Mary Sue and all of this bullshit, mm. but she is the person who – brings Han Solo back to the fight she's the person who goes and finds Luke Skywalker and persuades him to come back she's the person who ultimately helps turn Ben Solo back to the light and she faces down the Emperor she puts in the graft yeah I I, I think Rey is a really great character and I love the idea of her as somebody who's grown up in, in the wreckage of the old wars and she's pilfered thinks she's so practical I think that's the thing it grounds her as well in all the things that she can do she starts from a place of being really capable from having grown up had a really hard life and had to get whatever she can for herself in order to survive um, yeah i love ray i think she's great and i love the choice that she makes at the end of uh, the rise of skywalker i love her self-affirmation mm. um, i think that's a really powerful moment
3: ray as as ben says has an incredible arc um and i think there is a there is an element of People feeling she's not for them and therefore rejecting her as a character outright. And she is for a lot of people. She's very important to a lot of people. And um and I think she is gonna shape a whole new generation of Star Wars fans. And I think that's only a good thing.
0: Number twenty seven. <laughs> Harry
3: Potter, <laughs>
1: the boy who's alive. Yay! Um,
3: and isn't it nice that he's played by a nice man as well? You know, yes.
1: Some might say he is heroic in his own right, mm. standing up for um for what's right and putting his voice out there when it's when it's needed. Standing up for the little guy, and that's what Harry Potter does as well. Like I love. Uh, I had to pick the moment for this, so the hero moment mm. for for Harry Potter in the magazine, and the moment I chose was from Deathly Hallows Part Two when uh the, the battle of Hogwarts has been raging students are dying like the pe- pe- members of the order are, are dying auras are dying um and he's been called out by voldemort come and meet me in the forbidden mm-hmm. forest let's have this out and no one else has to die and he knows that is very very likely going to lead to his death and he does it anyway that that scene that the boy who lived come to die i think is um because he's somebody who's grown up i love the essence of it of this kid who's grown up in basically an abusive household with like believing that nobody really loves him that he suffers from a lack of love finding out that he's some he's somebody special Mm. and he can do magic and even though he comes from that place he he's never a prick when he finds out he has power he doesn't lord it over people he um he he uses it to empower other people he remembers his Mm. roots um yeah i think he's a great character and uh yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, also solid dude. Yeah. Solid, solid
2: that. dude. I appreciate, uh, Ben, that you keep pointing out how many uh, uh, people associated with, with Harry Potter have Rad as part of their name. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. And we're also going to rename him Eddie Radname. It's <laughs> great. But yeah, no, um, I completely agree with everything you said. He's a really great character. And you're rooting for him sort of all the way through his journey. Um, Mm. and he makes that very very easy to do yeah he does i think you really feel for him as well yeah you do number 26
0: i think this is maybe too low as well Mm Hmm. imperator furiosa from mad max what character name what a character what a character name
3: <laughs> yeah, she's the stealth heroine of that film. Like you know, it's a Mad Max film. The name's right there in the title, but it's not a Mad Max film. It's actually an Imperator Furiosa mm, film, yep. and it's really her journey and her arc that kind of drives the narrative, and literally drives the the, the narrative. And um, <sighs> and he's kind of along for the ride, and they they become allies certainly, and they work together certainly. But um, it is really her priorities uh, driving that film, and and she is just such a force of nature. She's incredible. I love her.
0: Yeah, tremendous, and you know, her, she's the emotional heart of the film as well. It's mm-hmm. Her emotional journey, it's her, it's her moment, her, her lowest moment when they get to the, the you know, the, the green, green place, house. and they realize that it's, it's absolutely desolate, and you know, she has that moment where she slumps down the sand and and screams. And then they decided to go back and try and storm the citadel. Um, you know, she's Charlize Theron is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. Um, and you know, having had the good fortune to talk to George Miller about the creation of this character a number of times, you know, it's been some, it's been a character that's been buzzing around in his head for for a long, long time. Um, but even so, he wasn't prepared for what she did with it. Like you know, the the physicality she brought to it, the the look that she brought to the character, the the the, the shaved head, the dark, the you know, the dyed scalp. Uh, the dyed, you know dyed black hair that she has that's all that's all Charlize and he, he told me a really interesting uh little anecdote he said one day they were driving back from set and she was driving the war rig and uh and he was riding in the war, war rig with her and he was just kind of wedged down the seat on the floor and he looked up and he just went that's Furiosa that's like I'm in I'm in safe hands because nothing could go wrong because I'm with Furiosa and, you know, like she had come to life in in you know, in front of him there. And, uh, I just imagine her with this green sock in her arm <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why, but you know, she, she would have been, she would have had the green sock in her arm so they could remove her arm in post, but just what a character.
2: It's because of all of that, that all this talk of doing a Furiosa prequel without Charlize has me a touch mm. worried because so much of what makes that character so great is because of Charlize. That being said, George Miller has more than earned the benefit of the doubt. So we shall see, but without Charlize, I don't know.
1: The names in contention there, the likes of Anya Taylor Joy and Jodie Comer. Either of those, I would. Oh man, I would love to see either of those play a younger version of these characters. The this they're they're such fearless performers and can do such amazing things that I think either of them would would rise to that challenge. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, the thing that's great with Furiosa as well is that she she's so pragmatic. She has a plan and she executes that plan against considerable odds. Um, and yeah seeing her sort of as Helen said in a literal sense take the wheel and um like take action in an incredibly oppressive environment um will never not be sort of inspiring to watch
2: that moment when uh Max uh, hands her the gun and uh, basically props it up so that she can shoot is is great
1: yeah a true ally yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that is number 26. That is Furiosa, well and truly discussed. And because we've been talking for so long, uh, let's split this thing into two parts, folks. It's all the rage these days, splitting things into two parts, although I really always saw this podcast as a trilogy. We're going to do it as two parts. So. That is it for part one of our discussion of the 50 greatest movie heroes of all time, as voted for by the listeners of the Empire podcast and the readers of Empire magazine. Join us next time. We'll be discussing numbers 25 all the way down to one. Very, very exciting. But until then, until the suspicious occasion, until we meet again, it is goodbye from Amon Warman. Peace. for now <laughs> that, yes precisely you know, you're not standing off forever it's just until, until next time um, it is goodbye from Ben Travis goodbye question mark stay tuned <laughs> <laughs> goodbye just in case you you know you die in between parts <laughs> uh, it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara Lou, and it's goodbye from me I'm off to roll up a magazine and beat one of my three co-hosts around the face with it I won't say who not it. No, no, no. I'm, you're far too you live far too far away. It's gonna to have to be the person who lives geographically closest to me. Ben, I'm sorry. No. It's you. I'm oh gonna beat Ben around the chops with a rolled up magazine. You can't do that with the podcast, you see? Print media rules. Uh, thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.